Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to just kind of introduce a subject today that over the next couple of months we'll be, we'll be touching on, or, or really kind of more than touching on, hitting. But I want to talk about the authority of the believer. And to do that, I want to lay some groundwork today. So I don't think I'm going to say a lot of new things, but I'm reminded of what the apostle Peter said. He said, I want to be able to stir you up by way of reminder. So often we're always looking for something new, but it is really the basic things that we've got to get down, established in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, John Wooden, the great basketball coach, would begin each season by telling his basketball players, even those who had been with him now in their fourth year, he would begin each season by telling them how to put their socks on and how to tie their shoes. Now, I mean, you know, that's pretty basic. We've all been doing that for a long time, right? But it is really the basic things. It is your foundation. It's your, your foundational understanding. Uh, that's, that depend, that it so much depends on that foundational understanding. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to start in Genesis, in the book of Beginnings, Chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to notice that God said, we're going to make man in our image in our likeness. Now, in, in uh, John's gospel, the fourth chapter, Jesus said, God is a spirit. God's a spirit. Uh, Hebrews chapter one mentions that angels are spirits. And when God created man, he created him in his image, in his likeness. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 kind of explains it in more detail than any other single place where it says, may the very God of peace sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you are a three-part being, right? You are a spirit. You have a soul or a mind, and you live inside of a body. Now, notice God's a spirit, and you're a spirit. Now, you are not God. You will never be God. But you are the same type of being God is. You're a spiritual being. Now, <clears throat> the difference between you and God, there's quite a few, but one of the differences is God is eternal. So God never had a beginning and will never have an ending, right? But you are immortal. Your spirit is. So you had a beginning, but you will never have a ending. In fact, as Christians, we sometimes kind of misinform people. We'll, we'll say, uh, come to Jesus and have eternal life. Well, everybody's going to have eternal life. Everybody's going to live forever. It's just a matter of where you're going to live forever. Are you going to live separated from God or are you going to live in God's presence forever? Because a spirit cannot die. Right? I remember as a young Christian, I thought I could help God. Anybody ever think you could help God? I did. I said, God, Here's what you should do. You should kill the devil. Just
just kill him. And once you invite all the demons to his funeral and kill them as well, take care of all of our problems. Well, here's the trouble, right? You can't kill the devil because he's a spirit, right? And a spirit will never cease to exist. So the Bible talks about this in, in Peter, where it talks about certain fallen angels. It says that they're kept in everlasting chains of darkness, right? But they can't cease to exist. Now, because of the way God created you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. You are, listen, this is very important. You're a hybrid being. What that means is this, because you have a body, you can contact and live and function in this natural world. But because you're a spirit, you can contact and you can function in the spiritual world. So you literally can function in two different worlds, which makes you, as I said, a hybrid being. Now, in, in uh, Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, when God enlightens you, when God leads you, when God speaks to you, he doesn't speak to your head. He doesn't speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit. Because God is a spirit and he will contact you spirit to spirit. So we, 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 we have to learn to function, not just in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm. So Romans chapter 10 says this, it says with the heart or the spirit, man believes, right? Now you can have a lot of information in your head, but that won't change anything. Because to receive anything from God, it is spiritually received and spiritually discerned. So it is with your heart, it's with your spirit that you believe. So when it comes to spiritual things, it will happen on the inside before it ever is seen or felt on the outside. Right? With the heart, with the spirit, we believe. It's that's the part of us that changes when you become a Christian, when you receive Jesus. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, notice it doesn't say they're going to be a new creation. It doesn't say they ought to be a new creation. It doesn't say they're trying to be a new creation, right? If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. But what part of you is new? Well, let me just say, it's not your body. It, you come to Jesus and you are 30 pounds overweight. You're still 30 pounds overweight. Yeah. You come to Jesus and your soul is messed up. You got a bunch of bad habits. Let me ask, do they immediately disappear? No, they don't. They don't because it's not your soul that becomes new. Right? What part of you becomes new? It's your heart or your spirit that becomes new when you come to Jesus. Right? So we need to function in the natural realm, but we need to function in the spiritual realm. Right? And nothing happens in the natural until it first happens in the spiritual, if we're receiving it from God. So in Genesis 1.27, God says about man, and let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, 
over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when God created you and I, he created us to rule. He created us to have dominion. He didn't create you to be a doormat. He didn't create you to be a failure. He created you to have dominion. That's very important. In, in Psalms chapter eight, it says it like this. You made him, man, to have dominion over the works of your hands and you put all things. How many things? All things under his feet. So when God created Adam and Eve, he created them to have dominion over the works of his hands. In fact, the Bible specifically says that he put how many things under him? All things. So really what happened is God creates Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve become God's under rulers on the earth. And they've got dominion. What they say is law. Now the animals show up and the Bible says whatever Adam said about them, that's what they were. Right? They had dominion. They had authority. But along comes a lion talking snake. Right? Now anytime talking snakes show up, like, watch out, all right? But this lion talking snake shows up and says, you know what? God's holding out on you. God said the day you eat of that tree, you'll die, but you won't die. In fact, you eat of that tree and you will become like God. Now, the truth is they're already like God. That's the truth. But that lion snake gets them to believe that God is holding out on them, that God doesn't have their best interest. In heart. Now, 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 literally, that lion snake has not changed. He will come in 10,000 different ways and he will lie to you and he will lie to me. He'll just say, hey, you ought, you ought to skip worshiping, go golf or hang out with the family or go see a game. Or it may be more blatant. He's like, you know what? You, you don't get the right sex at home. You, you should have an affair. Uh, you ought to just watch some porn. Uh, you ought to just steal from your employer. You ought to lie to your spouse. I mean, in 10,000 different ways, that lion snake comes and says, you know what? God's way is not the best way. There's something that's better for you. God's holding out on you. Well, Adam and Eve believe that lion talking snake. And literally what happens is they bow their knee to that snake. And something's happened in the spiritual realm. Job said it like this. He said, he stripped me of my glory and has taken the crown from my head. He stripped me of my glory and taken the crown from my head. When, when they obeyed Satan, they became subservient to the devil. They became slaves of sin. And Satan literally takes the authority that God gave to Adam and Eve, and he begins to operate in the earth with that authority. They were God's under rulers. They were, they, 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 they were the princes, the prince and the princess of this world. But now Satan has got the, the authority that God meant for Adam and Eve to have. Jesus is being tempted. This is Luke chapter four. The devil takes him up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And this is what the devil said. He said, all this authority I will give you all the authority of all the kingdoms of the world and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I can give it to whomsoever I wish. So if you'll worship before me, 
all will be yours. Now, by the way, the reason Jesus came was to get that authority back. And the devil is offering him a shortcut. But if the devil's lying, he said somebody gave him that authority. Who gave the devil the authority over all the kingdoms of the world in their glory? Who did it? Adam and Eve did it. So now he's operating with Adam and Eve's authority. And he offers it to Jesus. Now, if, there, if he's lying, there is no temptation. But he's not lying. He's telling the truth. But Adam and Eve believed it. They bowed their knee and, and literally Satan takes their dominion. He takes their authority. And we can say it this way. God created the being that is now the devil. He created him as a cherub angel. Ezekiel chapter 28, Isaiah chapter 14. But mankind created the devil. You see, when Adam and Eve gave him as a, gave to him their authority, they turned him loose in this earth. Right? That's very important. When Jesus said this, he said, for the, speaking of the devil, this is what he said. He said, for the ruler of this world is coming. Speaking of Satan, Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. And he said, he has nothing in me. See, he is, the, he is the enemy and he is the tormentor of humanity and of your soul. Second Corinthians four, verse four, whose minds, the God of this age, who is the devil? According to the Bible, the God, small g of this age, and he's blinded people so they don't believe. At least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ was the image of God should shine on them. First John 5, 19. We know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. The whole world around us is under the power of who? The evil one. See, God gets blamed for everything that goes wrong in this whole world. But it's not right. Again, John 12, 31. Now, speaking of the devil, the ruler of this world is cast out. Ephesians 2, 2. According to the prince of the power of the air, speaking of the devil, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Now, by the way, he's been here from the beginning. He was here for the fall. God is talking to Cain before he murders his brother. And he said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And unto you shall be his desire. Whose desire? His desire. All right. But you shall rule over him. Who's him? The devil. The devil. Right from the beginning, Genesis chapter 4 the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of this world, right? So Romans 5, 12 says it like this. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. So death came in to this world when Adam and Eve lost their authority and Satan began to use their authority and their dominion. 
death, sin, sickness, war, famine, prejudice, every evil that you can think of came in when the devil came in. And by the way, in Revelation chapter 21, we get rid of the devil, right? And the Bible says God will wipe away every tear and there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow because the former things have passed away. When the devil's gone, everything that he brings will also be gone. I I can't teach on this for, for a long time, but let me just say this. When God gave Adam and Eve authority, it was like he gave them a lease on the earth. And the day's coming when that lease is going to run out. It's going to run out. And when it runs out, the landlord's going to show up. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to straighten this whole mess out. All right? But it, now, here's what, here's, I, 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 I'm going to get two months ahead of myself. All right. But I hate that thing where everybody says, well, God's just in control. We even sang it today. Makes my blood boil. The Bible says the whole world is under the power of who? The wicked one. Under the power of the wicked one. Hebrews 4, verse 14. That through death, he, Jesus, might destroy him, the devil, who had the power of death. Who had the power of death? One more time. Oh, God just took him. Really? They did go to be with the Lord. But was it it God who brought death into this world? Was that God's will? Now, John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief, that's the devil. He comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys is not from God. James chapter 1 says every good gift, And every perfect gift comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So if it's good, it's perfect, it comes from God. And he doesn't have bad days. There is no shadow of turning. God is not schizophrenic where he heals you on one day and gives you cancer on the next. If it's good, it comes from God. If it kills, steals, and destroys, it doesn't come from God. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You know, I've talked with people, Christian people, And they said, well, well, God just gave me this cancer to teach me. God just gave this to me for his glory. God just gave me this to punish me for the things that I've done. Now, everybody Jesus healed, every sickness was in a 
Where did it come from? What did this verse say? Healing all who were oppressed of the, of the devil. Sickness and disease does not come from God. Listen to Acts, excuse me, Acts, Luke chapter 13. Jesus is in the synagogue. It says, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way rise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there's six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered and said, you hypocrite, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his donkey from the saw and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, not every sickness is, an, is a spirit, but ultimately every sickness has its roots back in Satan coming in to this world and taking the dominion that Adam and Eve had in the beginning. So literally what we have is we have a spiritual battle that is going on right now for your soul, for your family, for our culture, for our world, there is a spiritual battle that's going on. So often we're so ignorant. Now, uh, years ago, uh, Jeannie and I lived in Mexico and uh, for about three years, I, I taught in a Bible college. And uh, one semester, I taught on the book of Job. And uh, I think it's probably one of the hardest books to understand. Part of the, the, the deal with the book of Job is that Job did not have any of the Bible at all. And so he was just looking at things as a natural person. Now, now they did understand some things. In the end, it says there's a spirit in man. They understand that man was a spiritual being, but they were looking at things just from the natural perspective. And uh, Job made this statement in Job 9. He said, it's all one thing. Therefore, I say, he, this is God, destroys the blameless and the wicked. And if the scourge slays suddenly, he laughs at the plight of the innocent. The earth is given into the hands of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judgment, judges. And if it is not he, who else could it be? Now, if he had just had a Bible, he could have opened it up to the book of Job. And he had said right there in the beginning, and Satan smote Job with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. But he didn't have the book. And he's looking and he thinks, well, God's doing all this stuff. God's doing all this. Right? I, I love the Spanish translation. All right? It says, si no es el quien es y donde está. Does that help? It's, this is what it says. He says, well, if it's not him, who is it and where is he? And where is he? My answer is this. It is the devil. It's not God. And where is he? He's going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? He is not in hell. He's running around on this earth seeking whom he may devour. So we're in this war. Right? 
And there is no release, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, from the war that we're in. There is a battle for the souls of men. There's a battle for victory. There's a battle for deliverance. There's a battle for peace and for joy and for provision. Everything that God promises you, there is an enemy who will try to keep it from you. So the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. So there is this spiritual battle going on, but so many of us are ignorant. We're kind of like Job. It's amazing how many Christians blame God for everything that happens. Even insurance companies, they call it all an act of God. If I was an insurance agent, I'd put acts of the devil. <laughs> Comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? So, so God, Job and his three friends, they're talking and they're talking. And God finally shows up, right? And this is, the, this is the first thing that God says. He says to Job, he says, who is this? Who is this who speaks words without knowledge? Right? And who darkens counsel? So the first thing God said to Job was, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. Right? And then the second thing he said is, gives words without knowledge and darkens counsel. In other words, if you listen to Job, you will walk in darkness. Now listen, 90% of Christians get their doctrine from Job. 90% of Christians get their doctrine from Job. And God said, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. And whoever listens to you will walk in darkness. So we better get our... How many of you know you are a New Testament believer? Right. You see, you need, to, you need to get into that New Testament. You need to find out what belongs to you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. James said, submit to God, resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Now, here's the truth. The last time the devil fled from you is the last time you resisted him. And so many Christians simply accept everything that comes as the will of God. And if you accept everything as the will of God, you will never resist. And you cannot have an overcoming victory in your life without resistance, resisting the devil. Revelation 12, verse 11, and they, the church, overcome him, the devil, and every demon by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, right? You're going to have to begin to speak with the blood and the word of God declares belongs to you in order to have victory, right? Notice the verse mentions the blood, the word, what the Bible tells you and your testimony. Philemon 1 and 6 so that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
In other words, you need to begin to say with your mouth every good thing that belongs to you as a believer. With the blood of Jesus purchased, with the word of God declares, you need to begin to testify. You need to begin to speak in agreement with what God says is true about you. Now, you may not see it in the physical realm because first something has to happen in the spiritual realm. Because with the heart, man believes. See, you, you receive it on the inside before it shows up on the outside. Right? So every day, every person, you are in a spiritual battle. And the Bible says you need to acknowledge what belongs to you in Christ. The psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. David said, I will say of the Lord. What are you saying about God? What are you saying belongs to you? He said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. It's in uh, Psalms 23 and verse 6. David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Joel said, let the weak say, I am strong. Hebrews 13 says, therefore, we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What do you say about the Lord? In Job, it says, you will also declare or decree a thing. And it, what you say, will be established for you. And so light will shine on your way. You see, you want the light, you want the gospel, you want provision, you want breakthrough, you want victory. But what are you declaring? See, you can't have victory with your mouth shut. You got to run at your giant with your mouth working. Jesus said this in Mark 11. He said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain. Now, here's what we do. Jesus said, you need to talk to your problems. You need to speak to him. Right? But what we tend to do is we tend to just go to God and tell God all about it. Jesus didn't say, tell God all about it. Poor misinformed God doesn't have a clue what's going on. I got to let him know. No, 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 no. Jesus said, you need to speak to it. Isaiah 50, 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Right? Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. You see, when there's a, the, the, when there's a tongue, when there's a thought, the New Testament tells us, that is contrary to the word of God, you need to speak up and you need to condemn it. Right? When the devil tells you, oh, you're never going to be free. You're always going to be in bondage. You've had this problem for so long. You need to condemn that thing. You need to say, no, that is not right. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that addiction. In the name of Jesus, I'm free. You need to begin to speak. You need to speak. And as you and I speak what the blood of Jesus purchased, what the word of God declares, and that is our testimony, the Bible says that is when there is overcoming victory. That's when you overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And realize we are in that war. Right? Take everything the master has set out for you. Well-made weapons. Well-made weapons 
the Bible tells us. You've got the blood of Jesus. You have the word of God. You have the name of Jesus. You have your testimony. You've got praise. You have weapons. And the weapons of our warfare, the Bible says, they're not carnal. You're a spiritual being. And those weapons are spiritual weapons. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You can pull down every stronghold because you're not just a physical being. You are a spirit. And God's word functions on a spiritual level. And when you begin to function in that spiritual realm, the Bible says you resist the devil and he will flee from you. Literally, to flee means to run and start terror. I believe the devil's greatest fear is that you will find out who you are in Christ and you'll begin to speak who you are in Christ. When you begin to resist him, he will flee. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you need to condemn it. Condemn every attack, every lie that the devil comes and speaks into your heart, into your mind, whether it's something that's, that's in your, 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 your mind or it's a word that's spoken, condemn that thing and declare with the blood of Jesus purchased, what the word of God says is yours. And as your testimony is what the blood purchased, what the word declares, the Bible says you overcome, you overcome. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? You know, Our culture believes and tells people that good people go to heaven. But the Bible tells us that forgiven people go to heaven. It's not how good you are. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, what that means very practically is this, that all of the things I could do to try to be right with God, to earn salvation, will never earn me salvation. And all the things you could do to try to earn salvation will not earn you salvation. Jesus said, there's just one way. And he said, he's the way. That's why he said, you must be born again. You say, what does that mean? That means give Jesus all of your heart and all of your life. Hold nothing back. See, people tend to think, well, I know about God. I've celebrated Christmas. I've celebrated Easter. But listen, salvation has never been and never will be about your head, about what you know. It's about your heart. Have you given your heart and your life to Jesus? He's not a thief to steal it. He's not a manipulator to trick you into giving it. The choice is yours. But if you have not given Jesus your heart and your life, you still have it. But the Bible says today is the day of salvation. In Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. It is the door of your heart. And he says, if you'll open that door, if you'll open that door, you'll give me your heart and your life. He says, I will come in. See, you'll be forgiven. And instantly, God will make you a part of his family, a part of his kingdom. Now, if you can, would you please take hands with somebody that's near you? If you're online, would you do the same if you can? And we're going to pray a prayer now. If you're away from God, you're not right with God today. You know you're away from God, not where you should be. We're going to pray this prayer. And if you will pray this prayer from your heart, when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be right with God. So I want you to make these words your own and just pray this out loud. Say, oh God, 
I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over sin, death, and the devil. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him. Jesus is my king, my Lord. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That my past is gone. That I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.